Hello, welcome back to Cereal Bowls. Um, we are back for our playoff preview. This probably won't be a super long episode. We've all got holiday shopping and whatnot to do, so let's just get right into it. First off, let's do some news. The top news so far, Bo Nix is headed to Oregon out of the transfer portal. Patrick Strecker, how do we feel about that? That's the most chaotic transfer that could possibly happen for Bo Nix and Oregon and the Pac-12. Absolutely. Um, this this is silly. It's really funny to me. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. But man, um, Bo Nix, uh, that's the last place I thought he would transfer to. Yeah, I I almost thought he'd end up somewhere else in the SEC. Maybe because, I, I, but I guess you know, Oregon's new coach Dane Lanning did coach in the SEC, so he does know him. He is sort of an SEC guy. Um, so I guess that makes sense. And, and hell, Oregon certainly needs a quarterback. We saw them this year. Anthony Brown was awful. And if Bo Nix is 10, 15% better than him, uh, maybe Oregon's in the playoff right now. Yeah, that's a, that, yeah, that's true. It's, it's definitely way better than what they had this year. Yeah. But for him, that, I mean, it's an interesting move. You know, the Pac 12, I mean, maybe next year with, with Riley there, they've got a little more excitement, but he's really going to find himself sort of out of the national spotlight. Um, yeah. maybe he wants that after being in the fishbowl that is Auburn, but I don't know. That, that's interesting. Um, I think that's the last big name off the board in terms of the transfer portal. Um, pretty wild. We have the coaching carousel and, and, and as usual, and now we have the quarterback carousel as well. Yeah. Um, our other bit of news is that Kenny Pickett from Pitt and Kenneth Walker, the third from Michigan state, both opted out of the peach bowl. Which brings us to our first listener question from Wes. He says, what are your thoughts on players opting out of bowl games? Is it good for them? Is it bad for the games? Do you feel indifferent? Yeah. Uh, uh, to be honest, I don't really care. Um, so it, this definitely damper, like this definitely dampens the viewing pleasure of this game, the Peach Bowl. Like I would have really liked to watch Kenny Pickett just destroy Michigan State's secondary and I would have liked Kenneth Walker to have her one more really nice game, but it kind of brings you an opportunity. I mean, I, it, it brings an opportunity to watch, like see what's next for Pitt and see what's next for Michigan state. Like who's ne- next man up. I mean, this happens all, all the time. And I, it's just players looking out for themselves, trying to protect their draft stock. You know, they could get injured in this game, especially, you know, Pickett, who could be like a potential top 10 draft pick. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but I, I don't care, and I think it's ridiculous when coaches get mad about it when they do the same thing for millions of dollars. So, Yeah, I, I wish they wouldn't um, just as a fan, but like you said, you can't blame them. Pick it, first-round pick. Walker plays running back, one of the most punishing positions there is. Um, when they're looking at potentially millions of dollars, you can't sit there and say, come on, you got to play in this ultimately meaningless game. Yeah. Um, I think something that could work best for everyone is if the Peach Bowl paid them appearance fees. That could work, yeah. You know, because I, I saw some uh, sat on Twitter today that even, like, the Independence Bowl gets 3 million people watching it. Um, and that's one of those the rinky-dink, like, first-week bowl games. For a big game like the Peach Bowl, I think it, it it's worth it for the Peach Bowl themselves to pay these guys. It gives people a reason to tune in. Like you said, Pickett could be the first quarterback off the board uh, in, in in April. And, and as NFL teams 
seasons can flush down the toilet and they start looking to the draft, you could get a lot of casual fans who maybe haven't watched much pit football this year uh, to tune in. And so I think that might be worth it to the bowl games. Players can make some money. Um, and we as fans win. I think that's a win-win-win. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're in unprecedented waters with NIL, so it's definitely a possibility going forward. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that. Uh, speaking of Pitt, as we record, Keenan Slovis from USC has just transferred there. Um, Narduzzi, another good quarterback. Yeah, uh, that's that's great, I guess. I mean, we'll see. I don't know who really played particularly well at USC, but, you know, ACC is a different monster, so this could pan out. Yeah. All right, let's let's cut the shit. Let's get to the playoff preview. First up, we got Michigan. We got Georgia. Georgia is eight point favorites. The over under is forty five. This game takes place seven thirty New Year's Eve. ESPN. Um, Patrick, as a resident dogs fan, how are we feeling? Have we recovered from the post SEC championship? Uh, downslide there uh yeah i guess uh i kind of like super confident i love it i kind of erased that game from my memory but um i think this game's gonna be kind of a physical game um i think georgia definitely has better talent and speed across the board but michigan definitely has the pieces and the recipe and the ingredients to make their recipe of beating Georgia with matching their physicality with physicality. Yeah, um, I agree. I think these teams are similar in a lot of ways um, in the way they play and the way they want to play. Um, so, so let, let's get down to, let, let's break it down like this. When Georgia has the ball, what are you looking for? Well, I'm looking for, uh, we got to wear them down. Um, when Georgia has the ball, KFR, keep fucking running. Like, that's how it went. They went 12 and, 12 and 0. Uh, they were 12 and 0 in the year. Um, just, they were against Auburn. You know, the beginning of the game, Auburn was matching their physicality. You know, they were they were playing hard. And Georgia, Georgia's getting two, three yards a carry. But by the fourth quarter, they wore them down so hard, they're averaging like seven yards a carry. So they just got to, they, they need to, one, they keep running, they'll be able to establish the play action, which will help Stetson Bennett from not making dumb mistakes because they have really good tight ends to get utilized in this game. The 6'6", Darnell Washington is a beast in the run game, and he, he can catch too. But, man, Brock Bowers, he's one of the, he's probably the best tight end in the country. And, you know, if you keep running the ball, you'll be able to utilize that play action, get those guys involved, and they can beat these Michigan linebackers without a doubt. Yeah, for me, Bowers is a key matchup here. Um, he's a he's a matchup problem because he's big, he's fast. He, you know, you can't put a linebacker on him too slow. Can't put a corner on him, you know, too little. Um, I, I think that's a huge a huge key for Jordan, yeah. and he can be kind of a security blanket uh, for Bennett. Um, we saw in the SEC title game how much he can press when things aren't going his way. Um, and if Georgia has to get off that that run run the ball script, like you said, um, so having Bowers able to be that safety valve, I, I think can go a long way. Another interesting matchup to me is Georgia's wideouts versus Michigan. Yeah, because M- Michigan faced Ohio State, who has probably the best wide receiver core in the country, and 
was content to keep them in front of them. Just don't beat us deep. Just don't beat us deep. Yeah. Um, which is how Ohio State likes to play. But I wonder flipping it because Georgia likes to keep things safe, keep it short, keep the keep the run going, not take too too many deep shots. Yeah, because Stetson Bennett's not really good at throwing it deep. Um, right. <clears throat> but I will say if, if Michigan does go man and the Georgia can beat them here if they just go wide with man, they have so much speed and so many athletes on offense that I mean they they they, they can beat them in the short game on passes. Uh, they, I mean, Jay, that's how they, James Cook, there's a bunch of plays this year where teams are trying to beat, go against man and Georgia go out wide and James Cook just get open every time. He had like a nice scamper touchdown a few times this year. Yeah. Um, so it's the, like Michigan's defense. I think what needs, they, they need to do here is they need to copy what Bama did in the SC championship game. They need to cloud the picture through coverage and uh, um, blitz disguise um, and, their defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, has been doing that all year. Um, so, I mean, it, if you disguise coverages, like, looks like you were playing man, and then mid, mid after snap, you go straight into zone. It, you could tell when Bama did it, it, it just took everything off the field and threw Setson Bennett for a loop. Yeah, and I think that's key. you got to keep Bennett off schedule, out of his routine, because when he gets going, he's very good. He yeah. is. You got you to just keep making this, this quarterback think more than he needs to and that's yeah. what forces him to make these mistakes plus you have michigan's d line is very good aiden hutchinson obviously heisman finalist uh he's incredible that's something you just uh want georgia to avoid is him wrecking shop obviously. yeah um and you know that's the key is if he can get to bennett and michigan can bottle up the run game i i, I think georgia could have problems moving the ball that being said, they had problems moving the ball against Alabama and still scored over 20 pretty easily. Yeah. As we get to the next part here, when Michigan has the ball, it might be way, far more than enough. Because my biggest question for when Michigan has the ball is, can, can they move the ball at all? <laughs> they haven't really faced a defense like Georgia. Um, uh, a plus for Michigan, that though, is that they really whipped Ohio State physically. Yes. And, yeah. And that's and Ohio State has a similar caliber of athlete that Georgia does, which is encouraging for the Wolverines. However, Ohio State's defense not quite Georgia's. Yeah, I have an um bold and italics survive, um because you know Michigan can beat a good defense, um but you haven't really seen them play an elite one, and they have to survive against one. I mean, this game, I think the big overall key matchup in this game is what's going on in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, Georgia's O-line, Michigan's D-line. And specifically, Michigan's got a really, really good offensive line. The yeah. balls, they got five great players there. But Georgia <clears throat> has even better players on the other side of the ball. I mean, it's one thing to worry about a guy like Jordan Davis, 6'6", like 360 pounds. But when you have to face against three first round picks on that line, Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, and Trevon Walker. That's a whole different story. Um, <clears throat> and they, they definitely can match physicality with physicality, but that's just a lot of pounds that you have to block over and over again. And <clears throat> it's just, I think Michigan's capable, but you know, we're not, I'm not worried about Caden uh, McNamara uh, being able to throw against Georgia because, I mean, they have a great running back in Hassan Haskins, and that's how they beating teams. But when these guys, if they shut down the run game against Michigan, it could be a problem. 
Yeah, and, and Alabama was really successful because they they used tempo against Georgia, and they kept Jordan Davis on the field actually um, because he's not a, as good at, at pass rushing as he is at stuffing the run, which is the problem for Michigan because they want to run the ball. And so if they're saying, "Hey, we're just going to run right out Jordan Davis," that that's not going to work. It, it's it's a, it's a the, the only way that Georgia's defenses look bad this year isn't really a possibility for Michigan. Yeah, I mean, and Hassan Haskins isn't afraid of running north to south, and he's shown it all year. And I mean, Georgia really hasn't really faced a running back like him this year. Um, so th- there could be something here. You know, Hassan Haskins could. I mean, let's, let's say Michigan does get like averaging about four to five yards per carry on run. That that could open up some things. Um, for Cade, um, like their their tight ends are pretty good, and they have capable wide receivers. That, 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 that's the way teams have been keeping it close against Georgia. The few games they have is getting the ball to their tight ends in the middle of the field. So, <clears throat> I mean, that's that's the only outcome if to make this a good game for Michigan is being able to utilize your run game properly. That opens up the pass in the middle for them. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, if, if they and you know, we were just talking about if Georgia can get going offensively and Michigan finds themselves down, you know, 10, 14, nothing early. And then the run game's not working and they got to try to pass themselves back in the game. That's, that's where Georgia lives. That's what they yeah. do. And I will say that Kate is exceptionally good at looking deep and then beating you on the check down to the tight end of running back. So that's something, that's something to look out for going forward in this game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so another segment we have here is who could sneaky be a breakout player here? And kind of to your point about the tight ends and the checkdowns and stuff, my pick is is it Michigan tight end Eric All. Yeah. 34 catches this year. But in a lot of times he has a game where he has one or two catches. Um, but when Michigan feels like they have an advantage, they go to him. He had 10 catches against Michigan State. He had four against Penn State, including a long game ceiling touchdown. And I think he could uh, be a big part of the game plan this week. So I'm kind of looking at him to get a lot of looks, get a lot of action. Yeah, yeah, I could, that's a that's a good um, pick there. Um, <clears throat> I originally had Darnell Washington because a lot of people would be focusing on Brock Bowers, and you know Darnell Washington has been known yeah. this throughout the year to just uh, he's a big dude. Like this guy's gonna be great in the red zone, but he's been mainly just been utilizing the running game, but. I kind of changed my pick last minute and um, kind of forgot that George Pickett's back. And this uh, personally, like I, I would like it if he would be a breakout player and if Georgia wins this game, the national championship game. But yeah, I think because <clears throat> George Pickens is an amazing wide receiver. He could, he could have been one of the best in the SEC if he wasn't hurt this year. So this could be kind of like the welcome back party for George Pickens this game and, you know, rack like two touchdowns and a hundred yards. That'd be huge. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that'd be a good story, too. He's had to overcome so many injuries. Um, yeah. For him to step up in a big game like this would be pretty cool. Um, all right. What's your pick? Oh, man. Uh, I think I'm going to lean on Georgia uh, covering in this game. At first, I was like, no, I'm going to, you know, this might be a close walk game, but there's just too many. Too many things from Michigan that they need to do right and perfectly to beat this team, and I don't think that there's that many obstacles for Georgia in this matchup. Um, yeah. What? Which? Do you have a score? Uh, let. I'm also gonna go under in this game too. Okay. Under 45. Let's say I'll probably say 
Georgia 27, Michigan 13. Okay, I, I've got I've got a little higher scoring here. Uh, I've got Georgia 31, Michigan 21. Okay, yeah. So Georgia covers. I feel like these playoff games always have like a bit more scoring than we anticipate. Granted, these are two very good defenses. Um, so maybe not. Yeah. All right, next up, Alabama Cincinnati. This is also New Year's Eve, 3:30. You know, actually let me just let me just cut off right there. What are we doing with these New Year's Eve games? People have stuff they're doing on New Year's Eve. Why Why do we insist on playing on these days? Yeah, and I'm not going to be able to watch the Georgia game because I'm going to be at a Wadsworth Bandit concert. Um, but yeah. so I just hope the band has some surprise that they're going to have the game playing behind them during the – we'll never know. But, yes, I agree with you. It's this game, these, these games should either be New Year's Day or the day before New Year's Eve. Yeah, I, it just doesn't I, – I sort of understand that we have to claim this as our day, but New Year's Day is the classic college football d- day. That's when the Rose Bowl is, where some of the big bowl games are. Like, historically, that's always been college football's day. Why not – and this year especially, it's a Saturday, so – Yeah. Which is the double whammy. I, I, I don't know. It's strange to me. I uh, agree with you. Anyway, this game, 3.30, New Year's Eve – Alabama is only favored by 13 and a half points, um, which is very surprising to me. The over-under is 58. Um, and let's just get right to the big question here from our friend Walker. He says, how bad will Alabama beat Cincinnati? Or is this a situation where everyone is kind of overlooking Cincinnati and they'll, they'll uh, rise up and bite Alabama a little bit? Yeah, Um I know a lot of a majority of the people look at this game and think, damn, Alabama's going to beat this G5, you know, ass. But <clears throat> this is a Cincinnati team that is pretty good on paper. Um, yeah. And, I mean, a lot of people forget that a year ago they played Georgia in um, a New Year's Six Bowl and almost beat Georgia. Um, like, Georgia had to come back and win on, like, a last drive touchdown. Um, so they're they're very capable of – going toe-to-toe with an SEC team, but this is Alabama. And I know a lot of people have the memory of Georgia or Alabama's beat the hell out of Georgia in the SEC game. They can be, you know, what we're doing here. But Alabama's had some problems all year. year. And I, I personally – I think Alabama is going to win this game, but I do not think that it's going to be as much of a bloodbath as some people are predicting. Yeah, and that's, and that's a good point. If the Alabama that showed up in Atlanta for the SEC championship game shows up, They'll win this game by 50 points. They yeah. could beat anyone by 50 points. But if the Alabama that played Auburn, LSU, Arkansas, Texas A&M, if that team shows up, we got we got ourselves a ball game here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, these teams don't – it's very interesting. Um, like last game we talked about, I said the matchup here is the in the trenches. I mm-hmm. think this one is – Alabama's wide receivers versus well wide receiver really versus Cincinnati's defensive like star defensive backs. This yeah. this is this that's the match if you watch in this game. Yeah, what one hundred percent. When when Alabama has the ball, that is the matchup. This isn't some yeah, I, I don't really know how to sum this up. I guess people love kind of like people like me who like the G5 and think good football is played there. You got to hype the guys up sometimes and say, oh, you should get a load of this kid. He's really good. He's a really good linebacker. That's not the case here. 
Ahmad Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant, that's right, Kobe, spelled differently, mm-hmm. are legitimate All-American level cornerbacks. Yeah, and they, Co- they Kobe are, Bryant won the Jim Thorpe Award, which is the best yeah. defensive back in the country. They are NFL players. This is not one of those undersized, undrafted free agent. These guys will be drafted. These are very good players. Um, uh, get a load of this. Ahmad Gardner has never allowed a touchdown in his career. Yeah. He's allowed 14 catches for 32 yards all season. Yeah. What, what's that? Screen passes. Um, and I watched him against Notre Dame. That's, you know, while Notre Dame doesn't quite have the wide receiver talent, um, he locked him up and they wouldn't even look his way sometimes. He can cut the field in half. Um, and with John Mechie out for Alabama after that ACL injury, they still also have Jameson Williams, who is a freak. He absolutely torched Georgia. Yeah. Maybe the fastest player in the country, but there's only one of them. And yeah. So if if one if he gets if he gets shut down, Jameson Williams by these these stellar corners, who who steps up? You know, we have right. a Jacory Brooks or a Treshawn Holden, you know, JoJo Earl. I've never really heard of these guys before. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's just you take away Jameson Williams, what is Alabama going to do? Right. Like they Brian Robinson. Is coming off a hamstring injury. They're their running back, and you know, only rushed against eighty six against Georgia. Which the, the run great. game hasn't been great. But. Yeah, if we have like, if we have Auburn, Auburn esque O line play um, from Alabama, we're gonna have a problem here. Yeah, because um, I mean, and Cincinnati's pretty good at stopping the run, minus the Tulsa game where they allowed like 300 yards on the ground, they only average about 3.3 yards per carry Yeah, um, on their defense. But it's very uh, – it, regardless, like he, all this aside, if Bryce Young is able to have time in the pocket and utilize a play action, they're going to beat the shit out of Cincinnati. But yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think Cincinnati's defense is primed enough to mimic what Auburn did defensively and just shut down the wide receivers and they're able to apply pressure and just cause all sorts of problems. Yeah. And that's the issue. And that's why Alabama is Alabama. Cause you can see them shutting down the pass game pretty easily. Yeah. You know, that's it, not a huge leap. Um, they can probably, you know, hold and, and they can also hold the run game to a, a reasonable level. Like th- those are both pretty uh, reasonable assumptions that, that could that could very easily happen, but then you also have Bryce Young, who, as we saw against Georgia, was amazing at extending plays, improvising, um, making that crazy option pitch at the end, like just barely spinning out of sacks, you know, keeping himself up. Um, it's that sort of play that Cincinnati can't allow. They yeah. can't let Bryce Young get cooking. Um, that obviously, of course, is easier said than done, and they could bottle up Bryce Young with a QB spy, keep him contained in the pocket. And then Jameson Williams could go for 17 catches for 250. Yeah. So you just got to kind of pick your poison here. Um, and sort of similar to the last game, my concern here isn't so much in this matchup as it is when Cincinnati has the ball. Yeah. Because I don't think Desmond Ritter is that good. Uh, I, yeah, he's been kind of like – uh, he's been okay, but the thing I I personally think that he's better than Seth Bennett, in my opinion. Just, yeah, that that could be just me so pissed about that SEC championship game, but he's definitely going to be like 
coveted going out of college. Like he's going to be, he's going to be a top three, top, not top three, like a top round one or two pick, I think. Um, but <clears throat> he, when Cincinnati's able to run the ball, well, their offense is at their best is when Desmond Whittler is able to make Stetson Bennett plays. And I, I per- personally, I think he's better than Stetson Bennett. So this, I think Alabama Stevens might have a little tougher task with this quarterback, but not by much. But I, it's just that's what I think. Yeah, he just he has the games when he plays sometimes, and you watch him, and like you said, you see that NFL potential. Um, and other times he's just—I don't know if he's ever been outright bad, but sometimes he's just sort of pedestrian. Yeah, and like against Notre Dame, um, he was nineteen for thirty-two. He only threw for one ninety-seven, two touchdowns. But one touchdown was because he badly underthrew the receiver. He, he underthrew the receiver so badly that the safety got caught flat-footed and sort of fell over. Mm. Um, again, I'm not mad. Uh, let me be clear. I'm not. <laughs> that wasn't total bullshit. I'm not furious. I'm over it. I'm past it. <clears throat> but it, it's stuff like that. And he can – sure, he can extend plays with his legs, but has he – but when Will Anderson is spying you or chasing you down, it's a little easier said than done. Um, so that, that's sort of my concern with Cincinnati with the ball. And if they can't move the ball, it doesn't matter how good the defense is if you just give Alabama a short field and a dozen chances. See, this, this is what I think about that is <clears throat> uh, before Cincinnati really came into form, through uh, the past two years, the difference maker for this team and their offense was leaning on Desmond Riddler to extend plays with his legs and get for, you know, run short, get like route runs to get first downs. I think they might lean on that this game. And I think that Luke Fickle is going to be implementing a very conservative approach with his offense. He's going to make sure to hold the ball as long as he can to keep it out of Alabama's hands. Um, so I think they're going to be <clears throat> leaning on not throwing it heavy and letting Jerome Ford do his thing. Um, yeah, it's just that that's because you you're thrown heavy on Alabama and you turn the ball over a bunch. It's going to be a bloodbath. Yep. I mean, folks, you want to really impress your fans. Um, Jerome Ford, Cincinnati running back, transferred from Alabama. Yeah. Patrick, you, you think they're going to bring that up in the broadcast at all? Oh, plenty of times. Plenty mm. of times. The first yeah. touchdown. Former yeah. Alabama player. Here, here's their former team. a great way to pregame your New Year's Eve plans. Take a drink for every time they mention that. Yeah. You might not make it out. Um, all right. So who do you think could be a sneaky breakout player here? Oh, take a drink because I think it's going to be Jerome Ford. Yep. Um <laughs> I, I this guy has like 1,200 yards on the year. He averages 6.2 yards per carry, 19 touchdowns. I mean, I, I think if for Cincinnati to shock the nation, they're going to have to run the damn ball. And I think he, they're going to make him the focal point here in this game. And if Cincinnati wins this game, it's because of the running backs around Ford. Yeah. Um, mine is also on Cincinnati. I don't think you can be a breakout player on Alabama. Everyone knows who you are. Yeah. Um, it's Alec Pierce, the wideout for Cincinnati. He's 6'3, 213. So he's got size. He's a senior. He's been around. Um, and he's had some big games this year. He had a big game against Notre Dame six catches for 144. Um, 
And he's had, you know, a lot of times five catches against Indiana, six against Temple, five against Navy, five against Tulsa, eight against ECU. Right. He steps up when they need him. Um, and I think he's got the size to play with those Alabama guys. Um, and like you said, if Cincinnati's going to pull this huge, huge upset, the, um, they're going to need the offense to be hitting on all cylinders. Yeah, I agree. Um, with that said, though, you know, if Cincinnati, if Cincinnati pulls the upset in this game, how many people are not tuning into the college football championship game? Because, you know, like, I think a, a bigger crowd, you know, in Alabama, Georgia again. But yeah, just imagine, like, Cincinnati, Michigan. It would be like, P.U. Yeah, it would be a Midwest party for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think – okay, let, let's put it or, – or let's do the pick first. I have Alabama 41, Cincinnati 20. I think Alabama will just Woo! be a, a little too much at the end of the day. Okay. Uh, Maybe they pour on a couple late touchdowns. Um, I, I think Cincinnati will handle themselves well. People won't be saying what the hell is happening here. Um, but I still think Alabama, I, as much as I hate to see it and had hope that maybe they were done, maybe this was a down Alabama, watching them play that Georgia game, I'm just – I can't pick against that. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> my pick, I'm going to have Georgia – or Jesus, sorry Al, – um, I'm going to go Alabama 30, Cincinnati 27. And Cincinnati's going to miss a last-second field goal to tie the game because let me tell you what, their placeholder kicker is mucho bad. Oh, my. He's like 7 for 17 in the year, I think. I'm probably yeah, wrong. Not good. Um, but he's definitely got a very, very bad percentage. So that's an interesting thing to look out for. And that would be the shoe on the other foot for Alabama. The kicking problems haunt another team. Yeah. Um, all right, let, let's. So you have a you have a very close game here. What percentage chance do you give Cincinnati to pull the upset? I'm gonna give them like a a, a, a very generous thirty yeah. percent. I think they can keep up with Alabama. I think I think they're pissed, and a lot of people are already like, yeah, Alabama by fifty. Yeah, I think they're a good team. I mean, they've they've had to prove to people week in week out that they deserve to be in the playoff. I don't think they're just gonna roll over. Yeah, I mean they've they've lost one game in the past two years. You know, it's three points to Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, and I yeah. I think that they, they they I don't. It'd be really cool if they upset Alabama because so I don't have to worry about it if we beat Michigan. But, yes. Um, it's it's a very high low chance, and they're going against Goliath. So. Yeah, and I think Cincinnati beating Alabama would do. It would it would be very good for the sport. Um, for everyone to kind of realize that you don't just have to play in the SEC to be good. Um, and then maybe we can stop talking about teams like Texas A&M just because they have the SEC crest. We have to pretend they're good. Um, but it's, it's just – it would be very good for the sport. But like you, I think I'm like 20 25% here, um, which is, is – that's about as much as I'm giving any four seed against Alabama at, at this point. Right. Um, all right, so then – uh, we both have Georgia Alabama rematch uh, in in the title game there. Yippee! Um, and we will get to that. Oh, I mean, maybe we won't. You know, maybe maybe Cincinnati can pull the upset. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that uh, in twenty twenty two. Oh, and I missed the opportunity for the perfect dad joke. We'll get to that next year. All right, let's get some listener questions, get you out of here with a nice little short episode, um, get you 
off to Christmas, you know, whatever you're, you're doing, nice and easy here. Um, this question comes from me. I thought I would ask it. Patrick, what was your favorite part of this first week of bowl season? Man, there's some there's some good moments this so far. Um, I'm going to give you two answers. Uh, <clears throat> serious answer was UTEP's um, fake quarterback sneak throw for a touchdown. It was like a hot pass. That mm. was like a 50-yard touchdown from Calvin Brownholtz faking the QB sneak to Trent Thompson. It just it caught um, the team off guard real bad. It was really cool to see. Um, and my sicko answer is, whatever, for whatever reason, the Jimmy Camel LA Bowl, the mascot was Jimmy Camel, just like a camel with a beard. And just there was a, a scene after or during the game where they were doing like a bit outside the stadium with Lauren Rutledge, Rutledge and just the camel puked greens everywhere. It was just it was like, you know, is that moment you think where there are too many bowl games? Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. See, and that's what I love about the bowl season. It, it yeah. happens and you say, yep, this rules. Yeah. Exactly what I need to carry me through this weird sort of gray area of mid to late December. Um, my my favorite part so far was that uh, Northern Illinois, Coastal Carolina in the Cure Bowl was electric. That was yeah. a good, good, clean fun. It ended with Northern Illinois in the red zone. Coastal got a big stop. And it was Coastal Carolina's first ever bowl win. Um, the kids were going nuts, and it was just like, damn, this, that was just a great game between two good football teams. That's what that's what you want right there. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. That's uh, awesome. I uh, also want to shout out Bailey Zappi. He broke the yards and touchdown record. Yeah, and uh, screw all the people that are like, oh, he did it against an inferior talent. He's no Joe Burrow. Shut up. That's pretty yeah. damn good. He also didn't have Justin Jefferson. So. Yeah. Um, and tears to Western Kentucky for taking him out before he could get to 6,000 yards. Yep. Yeah, I hear you. Also, this happened today. This is Tuesday. Um, Kent State was in was driving on the potato bowl, on the blue field, and their offensive lineman just puked on the field. <laughs> didn't, yeah. didn't get out of his stance. And that's discipline. And that's that's Mac football right there, baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, well, well, that's it. Our friend Tyler asks, um, will we be doing draft day coverage, spring ball talk, summer practice kickoff? Tyler, my friend, you better believe it. Oh, you better believe it. We will be all over it. Patrick is a bit of a draft head, so we will. I'll kind of – maybe I'll switch it up and I'll interview him um, as we talk about draft prospects here. Um, we've got a few other interviews lined up. I think we're all going to like that. And as we've seen with Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley and Mario Cristobal, the college football news cycle never stops. Um, the NFL hasn't really gotten going yet. Um, maybe Ryan Day will be coaching the Bears. Uh, mm. Ryan Pace, Ryan Day? Yeah, a little, little council of Ryans. Um, so I think we could see something like that happen. Um, and you know, we'll be here every step of the way. We will see everyone next year. <laughs> yes, <you> know, next year. <laughs>